it was brought to my attention that in the past, uh, Pastor Greg Strawbridge um, at various times would begin a new calendar year with a sort of State of the Union address, a State of All Saints Church sermon in which he would emphasize meaningful events from the previous year while also casting vision for the year ahead. So this morning, I'm going to follow uh, his example and do just that. I aim to present you with a state of All Saints Church sermon. And I'm going to do this as we consider a famous text of scripture, uh, which was part of the lectionary reading this morning. And this well-known passage of scripture is often referred to as the Aaronic blessing or the blessing of Aaron. And so the sermon text comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, and I have three main points that I want you to consider today. Number one, the old covenant meaning and application of the Aaronic blessing. And then number two, the new covenant meaning and application of the Aaronic blessing. And then third, I want us to see the evidence of God's blessing here at All Saints Church, and I want us to look at a hope for the year ahead. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. I'm going to read that text and then pray a prayer of illumination. Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Bow your head with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would reveal to us the significance and importance of the blessing of Aaron. By the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to rightly understand your word and then live in light of this knowledge. We pray this by the power of the Spirit and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's consider that first point, the old covenant meaning and application of the Aaronic blessing. Under this uh, main heading, there are two subpoints for us to consider. Number one, the role and activity of the priests in pronouncing the blessing. And then number two, the content and the structure, the form of the blessing itself. So we will begin by looking at the role and activity of the priest as we consider the meaning and the application of the blessing within the context of the old covenant. Look at verses 22, 23, and 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and then skip to verse 27. 
so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Here in these verses, there are three actions that Aaron and the Levitical priests are to carry out. Number one, verse 23 asserts that they are to bless the people of God. You shall bless is the first command. And we see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 21, verse 5, that pronouncing blessing upon the people is actually part of the priestly role and responsibilities. So, quote, Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. End quote. It's Deuteronomy 21, verse 5. The benediction that is commanded here in Numbers chapter 6 is an extension of the already established priestly duty of pronouncing blessing. And so the point of significance here is that God's people are to be blessed by his appointed and ordained ministers. The second action that Aaron and the priests are to carry out is found in the same verse. Verse 23 also says that they are to do this through the method of spoken word. You shall say is the second command. And according to God's genius and desire, he ordained that priests serve as his mouthpiece among his people. As mediators between a holy God and a sinful people, we read in Exodus chapter 29 that the priest's right ear was ceremonially consecrated unto God for his service. The ear of the priest was only to listen to the word of the Lord, and thus his mouth was only to speak the word of the Lord. Therefore, here in verses 24 through 26, God gives the exact wording that the priests are to pronounce. Thus, the blessing of Aaron was not the creative outworking of his genius or something that he had been working on in his study, but rather the, the content is the very word of God communicated by his ordained servants. And finally, the third action given to the priests in verse 27 states that they are to invoke the name of God by their spoken word. So shall they put my name upon the people is the third command. And the invoking of God's name was an endearing act of affection by God for his people. It was a sign of his possession. Ultimately, it communicated that the people were God's people, and he was their God. His name was applied to them, put on them. And not only was invoking God's name an act of affection on the part of God, but it was also a holy and sacred act. Uttering the holy name of God in vain is sinful and vile, as we read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
You see, the proper name of God is used three distinct times in this blessing. At the beginning of verses 24, 25, and 26, we read in our English Bibles the following phrase, the Lord. And you'll notice that the word Lord is capitalized in each instance. And that is because the original Hebrew, each verse begins with the proper name of God, Yahweh or Yehovah. And the point of significance here is that the sacred duty of the priest is to use the name of the Lord in his service, and particularly in communicating God's affection toward his people. This is a sacred duty and act for the priesthood to invoke the name of the Lord upon his people. Those three commands capture the role and activity of the priest in the blessing of Aaron. The priests were to bless the people, speak the very word of God, and invoke his name upon the people. Now let's look at the content and structure of the ironic blessing as we consider its meaning and application within the context of the Old Covenant. Draw your attention to verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In these three verses, we have three distinct invocations, followed by three distinct blessings. Matthew Henry, when commenting on these verses, stated that some Jewish scholars were baffled and perplexed by the conspicuous threeness of this text. You have three stanzas, three uses of God's proper name, and three blessings. Matthew Henry inferred that the only reason that the Jewish scholar was baffled was simply because he did not want to see the Trinity. With that being said, the grammatical structure does point to the triune nature of our holy God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one in three and three in one. That's there in the, in the structure. But there is more to this text than just an inference to the Trinity, especially for the old covenant people of God. In this blessing, protection, grace, and peace are given. So let's look at each of these elements. Number one, protection. In the first stanza, we are told that God will bless his people by keeping them. The word that is translated into English as keep is the Hebrew word shamar, which means to guard or protect. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 7, we read the following. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Under the old covenant, so long as God's people remained faithful to him and his word, they would experience his protection, his 
Shamar. Number two, grace. In the second stanza, the people were also blessed with grace. The phrase, make his face shine upon you, is a reference to the extraordinary occurrences throughout redemptive history in which God allowed Moses to enter his presence by grace. We read in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, thus the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then in Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35, we have the following account. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he had came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with him. This phrase, make his face shine upon you, is really a shorthand way of referring to the grace that Moses experienced. The holy God covering Moses' sin and dwelling with him. In the context of the Old Covenant, the people of Israel would experience this blessing of grace through the atonement and expiation of sin according to the ceremonial sacrificial system. So in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, we are told the following. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess it over all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free into the wilderness. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins." This ceremonial system of sacrifice and expiation was the practical means by which God's people experienced his presence among them. This was the functional way in which God's face would shine upon his people. Through atonement, God's grace would be extended as he would pardon the sin of his people, remove it far from them, and then dwell with them. Let's consider peace. In the third and final stanza of the blessing, the people were given 
peace. The English word that is translated as peace is the famous Hebrew word shalom. This word communicates more than just the absence or the, yeah, the absence of war or enmity. In fact, the best way that uh, I can illustrate the fullest meaning of shalom is to have your mind's eye imagine an extremely wealthy Lord who is powerful, just, loving, and merciful. Now, imagine you are the dearly loved child of this noble. Presume that you are loved, protected, and you lack for nothing. Think of the emotional and spiritual disposition you would possess, knowing that your father is powerful, just, loving, and merciful, and you lack no good thing. What comes to mind? Serenity, stability, safety, peace. This is shalom. The idea of a fullness of having all things stable. And we see that this type of peace, the fullest expression of peace, is experienced in the presence of God as a result of his grace. The second and third stanza both speak of God's face or his presence. Grace is the prerequisite to experience the presence of God, while peace is the product of his presence. In other words, peace flows from grace. And we even recognize this in our liturgy. This morning, we experienced the grace of God through confession and pardon. Then we will experience the peace of God through communion with him. In the old covenant context, the people of God would have experienced peace through God's presence dwelling among them. According to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 17 through 18, the opposite would be true as well. If God's presence was not among his people, calamity, turmoil, and instability would all be prevalent. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Shalom is the functional outworking of having God dwell with you. And along with protection and grace, peace was to be pronounced upon God's people. So all of that covers the first main heading, the Old Covenant meaning and application of Aaron's blessing, along with the two subpoints, the role and activity of the priest in actually pronouncing the blessing, and the content of the structure, the actual form, the, the meat, the actual content, what is being said in the blessing. All of that within the context of the Old Covenant. The priests were to 
bless God's people with the use of spoken word and by invoking his name. And that spoken blessing consisted of three segments or three elements, protection, grace, and peace. Now, I want to consider my second point, the new covenant meaning and application of this blessing. Here at All Saints Church, we believe that continuity exists between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We believe that there is a progressive connection between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Ultimately, we confess that all of God's blessings and promises find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the promises made to the Old Covenant saints truly find their realization in Jesus Christ. And this we believe according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So then, with that being said, the Aaronic blessing has real implications for you and me as New Covenant believers. The Aaronic blessing was not just for Old Testament saints, but rather it is for everyone who is in Christ by grace through faith. And this, in fact, is why Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, is one of the most frequently used benedictions among Protestant Christians. So then, let's consider the meaning and use of the blessing of Aaron in the new covenant. And again, we will consider the two same subpoints: the role and activity of the priest in pronouncing the blessing, and the content and the structure, the actual form of the blessing. The role and activity of the priest remains the same from Old Covenant to New Covenant. The required actions continue from one covenant to the next. Bless, speak, and invoke the name of the Lord. However, there is a change in the priesthood itself. Where Aaron once served as the high priest, Hebrews chapter 4 explains that Jesus has come as our true and final great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And furthermore, in Acts chapter 3 verse 26, St. Peter informs us that Jesus not only did the atoning work of a priest by his sacrifice for us on the cross, but he also engaged in the benediction and blessing duties assigned to the priesthood. So the apostle tells us this in Acts chapter 3, verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, that being Jesus, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This work of pronouncing blessing not only continues through the priestly duty of Jesus Christ, but it also continues by the work of his priests, gospel ministers, apostles, pastors, and elders, being ministers of the new covenant and priests unto their God, have been commissioned by the great high priest to pronounce blessing upon God's people. And so we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the apostles administered a blessing with the Eucharist. And this is why gospel ministers here at All Saints Church administer a benediction at the close of every service. 
we are fulfilling one aspect of our priestly duty to bless, speak, and invoke the name of the Lord upon his people. Let's also consider this second subpoint the content and structure of the blessing itself. The form and the content obviously remain the same from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Protection, grace, and peace, those remain. However, the experience is different. There is one way in which God's people experience these things in the Old Covenant, and there is a better way in the New Covenant. So number one, protection. As partakers of the New Covenant, we no longer seek protection in the terms and conditions of the Mosaic Covenant. Instead, as the author of Hebrews puts it, we have something better, namely someone better, Jesus Christ. And the promise of being kept is found in him alone. And thus, Jesus prayed the following words in John chapter 17. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. As members of the new covenant, the protection we receive is the shamar of Jesus Christ. He is the very guardian and protector of our souls. It's considered grace. In Christ, we also experience the fullness of the second stanza of Aaron's blessing. Grace that gives us access to the presence of God. The grace of God was poured out through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which leads to the pardon of our sin, which enables us to have communion with the triune God. By grace, we experience the presence of God. Because of Christ's substitutionary and atoning work on the, Christ, on the cross, which satisfied the very wrath of God on our behalf, you and I get to experience the Trinity. We experience God dwelling among us. And where Moses experienced the light of Christ shining on his face, you and I experience the light of Christ shining in our hearts as his presence indwells us. Therefore, the Apostle Paul said the following in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As New Covenant believers, you and I know the grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ, which leads us to experience the presence of God, the very presence of God in our lives. Let's consider peace. Peace leads us to realize, excuse me, grace leads us to realize the outworking of God's presence in our lives, which is peace. 
peace flows from grace. It is the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ that brings the true and full sense of shalom. As we are united to Jesus by grace through faith, you and I experience serenity, stability, and safety. Therefore, Jesus said the following in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In the new covenant, peace is the outworking of all that the Father has accomplished for us through Jesus. It is our Heavenly Father who is the Lord that is powerful, just, merciful, and loving. And it is you and I who are his adopted children, that he so graciously and deeply loves. This captures the second main heading this morning, the new covenant meaning and application of Aaron's blessing, along with the two subpoints, the role and activity of the priest in the new covenant, and the content and the structure of the blessing for you and I who are living in the new covenant. The ironic blessing is, in fact, for new covenant believers, as the promises find their true fulfillment in Christ. Therefore, you and I should seek the blessings that are offered here protection, grace, and peace. We should seek these things by faith in Jesus Christ. And this brings uh, me to my third and final point. We've looked at the passage in context in the Old Covenant. We've seen it brought forward into the New Covenant. And now I want us to see the evidence of God's blessing here at All Saints Church. And I want us to consider this as hope for the year ahead. So, as this church unexpectedly lost its faithful shepherd in January of 2022. This past year could have been turbulent, chaotic, and destructive. However, you and I have experienced the protection, the grace, and the peace of God as a congregation. In 2022, Without a full-time settled pastor, the gospel was preached 52 times from the pulpit. And the Eucharist was celebrated 52 times from the table. Taking all of our Sunday school classes together from adults all the way down to pre-K, along with the women's Bible study, 183 Sunday school lessons and Bible lessons were taught in 2022. Last year, we administered 12 baptisms and had seven new households take membership vows. We ended the year with our highest recorded household members and attendees, 52 households, which represents 217 members, and 257 people who regularly attend Lord's Day worship here at All Saints Church. 
2022, All Saints Church generously gave away $65,000. $8,000 was given to Jeep and Avoda. $15,000 to Christian education. $27,000 was distributed through benevolence. And $14,000 was given in a special offering to help our CREC churches in Europe in a humanitarian relief effort. Our denomination that we are part of, the Communion of Reformed and Evangelical Churches, continues to grow and be strengthened. Last year in 2022, All Saints Church joined the board of directors for the CREC's domestic church planting network. Also in 2022, our presbytery, the Augustine Presbytery, reached an all-time high of 22 churches, and this required us to create a new provisional presbytery, the Bootser Presbytery, of which All Saints Church is now an active member among 11 churches. By no means do these highlights capture everything that God has done here at All Saints Church in 2022. However, these highlights do illustrate the important truth that we have been the beneficiaries of God's protection, grace, and peace, all realized and experienced in Christ Jesus. And with that, as we enter the new year, I want to admonish you to do two things. Number one, I want you to begin this new year by praising the Lord for all that he has done here at All Saints Church over the past year. Again, the highlights, the things that I presented, do not cover everything. It doesn't even scratch the surface of all that God was doing at the personal level within your heart and your mind, in your household, at your workplace. So, as God has protected and generously given us his grace, given us peace as a corporate body. I recognize that that has happened at a personal and individual level for you and your house. So number one, praise the Lord for all that he has done here at All Saints Church, both corporately and individually. Second thing I want you to do as we start this new year is to look forward to 2023 with the hope that God will continue to grant us his protection, grace, and peace in Christ Jesus. I want you to look forward with anticipation to the new things that God will do. So in the first quarter of the new year, you will notice an emphasis that we as shepherds are going to place on being evangelical as a corporate church. And so with that, even this week, with anticipation, I ask you and admonish you to begin to pray and ask that God would prepare your heart for how he might use you and your family to be evangelical in the year 2023. I have something with me. I've been walking around with this for some time now. I can see this card here. 
I put our church's vision and mission on it. And every member of our session and then consistory has a copy of this card. And we begin every consistory meeting coming back to what is listed on this card. We start the meeting by reading these words. And this is taken directly from the All Saints Church Constitution. Our vision is to grow in love and to reach out in love because we worship the loving God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We gather to renew our relationship with him and one another in the biblical pattern of historic Christian liturgy. In this, we affirm God's promises to us and our children and are commissioned to live Christ-centered lives in the world. We read this every consistory meeting in order to keep us tethered to the church's vision and mission. And I share that with you because we are strategically and purposely doing all that we are doing, making decisions and shepherding your heart and preaching sermons and starting Bible studies, selecting books for book club, music, all of it around this idea that is stated in the vision and mission, which is we want to reach out in love because we have first been loved by God. And I would add to that this year that we want to reach out with protection, grace, and peace, and we want people to experience the protection, grace, and peace of God because we ourselves have experienced that. And so here in the first quarter of the new year, Sunday school will start up again. In fact, Brandon made an announcement that next week Sunday school will begin. And so I admonish all of you to attend Sunday school. And in the first quarter, we will have something a little different, a little unique to what we've been doing in the, in the past. We will continue with our format of having two tracks of Sunday school lessons running every other week. But this year, we're going to start with looking at things that define us as a church. What makes us All Saints Church? What are some of the key positions that we hold as a church? What are some doctrines and some practices? So that will be one track, and I'm excited about that, and I hope that excites you, and I, and I want you to attend that. The second Sunday school lesson we are going to run in the first quarter is really designed to communicate the vision and mission of this church. This idea that we have been loved by God and therefore want to reach out in love. We have experienced the protection, grace, and peace of God, so we want to reach out and call others to experience his protection, grace, and peace. And so this first quarter, in that second track, we will actually give you opportunities things for you to raise your hand and say, yes, I will do that, or sign up and say, yes, I want to do that very thing and preach the gospel or minister to somebody or just simply reach out in love because I have experienced the love of God. With all of that being said, as we look back on 2022 and we look forward to 2023, I am both grateful and excited. I'm grateful for all that God has done for us through his protection, grace, and peace. 
And I look forward to all that he will do for us through his protection, grace, and peace. Therefore, All Saints Church, let us continue to serve the Lord with gladness and faithfulness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bow your head with me as we bring our prayers and petitions to our Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts, recognizing that you have kept us. You have caused your face to shine upon us. You have been gracious to us, and you have lifted up our countenance. We have experienced your protection here at this church. We have experienced your grace. We know your presence and the peace that comes from that. Lord, we are grateful for this, and we pray and ask that you would continue to bless your people in the year ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.